It's Tennessee Titans talking. Fellas, nothing like getting beat by a one-win team to come back down to earth. Can we just pretend like last weekend didn't happen? <laughs> well, I know to our uh, folks that listen to us, y'all probably thought we were in hiding, but had a lot going on. We're going to cover as much as we can stomach of that Bengals debacle Sunday. We're going to talk about all the interesting stuff that's happened from a personnel standpoint, the trade deadline. And then we're going to, of course, talk about uh, this upcoming Bears game, which is going to be obviously super important. Big news uh, coming out. We made a trade for Desmond King, which if you listen to this podcast, you know that John has a super big man crush on Desmond King back from when we evaluated guys uh, for the 2017 draft. Am I getting that right, Landon? Was it 2017? Yes, it was. The Philly year. So we're in Philly, so we really did our research. Desmond King, and this guy has turned out to be very good. John, (laughs) really, I got to know, why does a guy who is the 13th best corner – uh, according to Pro Football Focus, this year and a former All-Pro, how does a guy like that get to us for a sixth-round pick? I, surely I'm missing something. I think I'm missing something, too, because I remember specifically when we were at the draft in Philly, you were backstage getting prepped for making your most famous selection of Brad Seaton. So you were about, you and Landon <laughs> were both backstage, and I was standing in the bleachers, more or less, of what the – auditorium seating they had and i remember i was waiting to get filmed and or waiting to film you you make your pick and i remember just thinking like why has desmond king not been selected because you know i i remember him when we were scouting prospects and i loved this guy you know and right. iowa right. football players they are the definition of toughness in my mind so yeah i don't know how we get him for just swapping a sixth round pick and essentially that's what we got for correa so we kind of got him for free <laughs> In yeah, because mind. we had two, we have two other six-round picks besides the one we gave the Chargers. Landon, you had mentioned, uh, you know, he's basically an expiring contract. He wanted a new contract. Uh, he was upset when he was relegated uh, to a backup role based on a signing that they made last, last offseason. Because of injury, he's played more and played well. But Landon, what? Why did we get Desmond King? Uh, you know, like Baltimore, for instance. So maybe they don't need him, but there are teams that are famous for swooping in and getting these guys. And we're like, they only had to give up this or that. Why was it us? And how do we get them so cheap? Do you think Landon? Well, it was us because anyone who saw that game on Sunday knows our cornerbacks are atrocious with Christian Fulton and Adoree Jackson out. Now Adoree Jackson should be back against the bears. It's been three weeks, I believe since he was activated to come off IR. So that'll be huge, Mm -hmm. but just our cornerbacks are slow. They're old. We play them in off coverage. They just can't really do anything. And Desmond King, even though he's a pure slot corner, like you said, is one of the better slot corners in the NFL. And in a win-now year, we upgraded our biggest weakness, a guy who's proven to play well for essentially nothing, like a six-round pick. It's a 50-50 of that guy even makes your active roster. To get a guy who can help us, help the defense be less atrocious is a win. Right. I understand the need, but – why did other teams not offer a fifth? This guy has good value. They're, that's a position of need. You mentioned, and I want our listeners to understand, he's a slot guy. He's 5'10", 200, uh, really good nickel corner. So, obviously, that fits. Uh, hopefully, we'll get a Dory back, and they'll play a Dory on the outside. But how? I mean, why, why was there not more interest in this guy? Well, from what I understand, the trade deadline wasn't that active because teams are uncertain of the cap future going forward. We know the floor is likely to be – a lot less like the saints for instance are already 100 million over the projected <laughs> cap so 
Teams are okay. trying to conserve every bit of cap space they possibly can. And King, he started to develop some character concerns on and off the field. Like you said, he was bitter that they signed Chris Harris Jr. for mm-hmm. $25 million over two years to play his role. And when Chris Harris has been hurt, Desmond King has been just as good, but he's not getting paid. And now with the pandemic going on, it's unlikely how much he's going to be paid. So it's just a fracture of trust between the player and organization. Right. I'm not sure if we can offer him a sizable contract with our own players coming up for contracts, John Brown, Johnny Smith, for instance. But at the very least, he's going to be a lot happier and ready to compete here than he was in L.A. Well, it doesn't matter here or there. He's got half of a season uh, to prove that he can't get along because you know we understand – there are dynamics between one team, but if you can't get along with two teams, uh, see Vic Beasley, it's kind of on you then, uh, fair or not. Desmond King has a lot to play for here. He's not made life-changing money. He was a fifth-round pick. This is a good opportunity for Tennessee. He could play. We were talking on a previous podcast how, you know, the Honey Badger was looking like kind of a has-been. Went down the stretch, played extremely well for Kansas City and got, you know, a nine-figure contract. Uh, Desmond King has a big opportunity here because the need is is great. I'd love this trade if there's something I don't know about him. I love it. He can come in and he can make himself a lot of money for us or somebody else. The thing about the Titans, yeah, we have our cap, but we also have guys coming off guaranteed money, right? So it's the same thing with people are discussing a lot this week, Corey Davis. I think Corey Davis will test the market. You look at receivers, uh, even sort of, you know, just good receivers, not great. They're making $9, $10 million. I look at Golden Tate. You could go down the list. Uh, Corey Davis is going to have a market, but, you know, Adam Humphreys, his guaranteed money will be done. Yeah, he's on the books next year for $9 million, but that can be interchanged, right? When you think about like that, Desmond King and Malcolm Butler, you can say the same thing. We could switch one for the other. And so I don't worry as much about the cap. If Desmond King comes uh, to Nashville and plays over his head, John, plays extremely well, gets back to that all-pro form, um, that's going to benefit us mightily, and uh, that's going to put him uh, in this uniform. If he wants to be, they'll make it happen. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I think when you talk about contracts, if you have a guy who's playing well over his current value, there's always a way to figure it out. So, And and I trust J-Rob in that part of the process. It's something that he always does really well, and we're usually surprised you know, in the offseason when – he restructures a guy or he makes a trade or even a long-term deal, how he kind of frees up cap space, kind of like with the Henry deal, how he was able to lower the cap number by so much for this year to kind of give us some flexibility to to spend elsewhere. So I have no no doubts or concerns that if Desmond King comes in, plays his tail off – I have no no doubt that we're going to be able to, uh, you know, get him a long term deal. I'm very excited, and of course, that's that's down the road. We need him to play well these uh, next eight games. <clears throat> I expect him to. Uh, Byard restructured early in the season, and it's for them to have this flexibility. Landon pointed out very well. The teams that like to normally just jump in and add talent, they're sort of at their limit. Like this, think the Saints, and of course, the work the Ravens have already done. Because I think a lot of our fans are going to say, "Well, a six round pick, uh, you know, there's got to be some issue with them." Big opportunity, really smart signing. So we dump Vic Beasley, who Landon, before we even signed him as a free agent, uh, on this podcast begged the organization to not sign him. Landon, you are absolutely right, to the point where he must have been so bad in that locker room. He had a guaranteed $9.5 million, so whatever's prorated, you know, half of that. They just kicked him out of the locker room, apparently, right? And 
he keeps his money. I'm sure there's no offset language for a veteran like that. So it's not like if he goes and he signs with the Seahawks for a million dollars this season, we get that back. No, we just wanted him gone, right? Yeah, and sadly, it was purely based on his level of play, and you can't take back some guaranteed money for a guy sucking. But he even <laughs> even bombed my expectations. I thought, yeah, he can come in. He can be a okay third pass rusher behind Harold Landry and then Clowney. He hasn't even been that. Last week against an entire backup offensive line against the most sacked quarterback, he didn't even get one pressure. I think he didn't have one impact play and literally the most favorable outcome possible. Like you said, he's been poor in the locker room. He had the offseason debacle. He's always been non-existent as a run defender. And credit to J-Rob for cutting his losses, owning up to his mistakes, also cutting Jonathan Joseph. Two of our bigger free agent signings, he messed up. He admitted it. He shaped up the locker room. And this. I think this will spark a fire under guys where we don't care if you, we signed you for $10 million a year. You're making the big bucks. If you don't play well, you're out. So you better play and stay in. What's crazy is the writing was on the wall at the very beginning, John. This guy signed for $9.5 million on a prove-it contract and didn't even show up. <laughs> so, yeah. Landon, we, we need to listen to you more. We got excited for him because the need was there. And it's like we said with King, it's like, obviously, he has so much to play for. If he plays well on a good team, this guy can make $10 million more than he normally would off of this over the life of his next contract. He blew it. At a pretty high level, you've been in locker rooms. Tell me, uh, most of the time after just a stinker of a game, and believe you me, our defensive line now, Jeffrey Simmons uh, is double teamed and did all he could. Our defensive line got zero pressure. I can't, we watched this game all together. I kept talking about Joe Burrow literally had the cleanest jersey I can ever remember. I mean, just like we did not touch him all game. Landon mentioned that backup offensive line, down the line backups, very disappointing. It's not often, John, that in the middle of the season you can – John, you've played get notice, right, as to say they literally fired a guy and they let him keep their money because they didn't want to see his face. It was such a poor effort Sunday. You know, that is loud and clear that – and J-Rob, you know, he's a guy that's been willing to admit his mistakes right. and deal with it. You know, back to the Kevin Dodd right. you know, draft, and he cut him and made a business decision. Same thing with Beasley. You know, we're willing to eat $9.5 million to get this guy out of here. And I'll tell you what, when something like this happens, it's all 100% effort. Dude, his attitude was questionable from the very beginning with all the – weird cryptic interviews he was giving when he finally did report the effort is the lack of effort is undeniable when that kind of stuff happens it's something you can't miss landon you you about made me puke today when you texted us saying if we hadn't signed vic beasley we could have handled a jack conklin extension and i just wanted to throw up yeah so if you take beasley and dennis kelly's contract you know, we could have got Conklin back. Uh, I know Conklin is not the reincarnation of Bruce Matthews or anything, but, yeah, we, it'd be nice. Offensive line is outmatched, but they were gutsy at least. Last Sunday, boy, our defensive line, I just can't say enough. Now, a lot of our fans, I think, are going to lump Clowney and Beasley it together. That isn't fair. Yes, Clowney, we've defended him on this podcast. He did not play well Sunday at all. But uh, I don't doubt the effort, and I'm not in the locker room, but I, I just see them as kind of different entities at least – uh, Jadavian kind of cl- showed up after we signed him. We'll see how that goes. I hope that it invigorates that offensive line. I know Isaiah Mack, we uh, released him as well. So I think there's a lot of attention there. Not that Isaiah Mack uh, should be compared to uh, Vic Beasley, but they're shaking things up. I'm going to give guys some opportunity. Landon, back to Desmond King. 
when should we expect to see him? I know COVID protocols have made the trade deadline weird because they have to set out so much time, but we're not likely to see him Sunday, right, against the Bears? No, just with the, the way the deadlines were and the fact that it was on, on a Tuesday, he can't play against the Bears, which would be nice, but at the same time, the Bears have been such a poor offense, it won't be at the end of the world, I would hope. But then he'd be ready next week when we play the Colts. Well, I did see a report that he can't. He can finally enter the building on Saturday. Right. So if he did virtual meetings all week, he could theoretically play. But Landon, I think your point, uh, it's unlikely he'll play. Although, guys, I do question. Like since we got rid of Joseph, mm-hmm. we're short a body, right? I mean, yeah. That why would they do that? Why wouldn't they do that next week? Jonathan yeah. Joseph has taken so much from our fan base, and yes, he's played poorly, but. He's a 36-year-old guy that was supposed to be our fourth corner. If they had somebody better to play, they would have played him. And that really landed. He makes a good point. What does that mean for Sunday? Chris Jackson? Well, for one, it means that Adoree will be back. That is one way to clear up a roster spot easily. So it'll be Adoree, Butler, who's had had his ups and downs. And then, like you said, probably Chris Jackson, Ty Smith at the cornerback three, since Christian Fulham will be on IR for at least two more games. Let's talk a little bit uh, about that Bengals game. Defensive line, we covered that. Atrocious. And Tannehill, we bragged on him so much how he just like was so calm and cool all season. He looked totally lost, and he looked totally out of sync. I think it was, uh, honestly, the team being overly confident. We saw, once again, we came out flat to start the game. Now, we were running the ball on them whenever we wanted to, so I really kind of have to – Look at Arthur Smith and say, hey, dude, what were you doing? <laughs> you know, I mean, we're averaging, what was it, like six and a half yards of carry? Right. And we gave right, – we absolutely. didn't – we weren't doing that the whole game. They kind of came out and started the game just like Pittsburgh did. Right. These long drives, mm-hmm. keeping our offense cold. And I think Tannehill may – whether – I mean, even from the very first snap of the game, he didn't look like this energetic – uh, charismatic leader that we've seen in the past. Maybe it was the time change. Maybe it was a colder game than expected with all the wind. I don't know what the deal was, but yeah, you're right. He did not look like he was on his game. We saw him continuously throw into, you know, double and triple coverage yeah. a couple of poor balls. Um, you know, he had a pick in the end zone, not the Tannehill we've become accustomed to over the last what, 20 weeks. Right. He was out of sync. There was something not right with him. And I know some people pointed out, you know, Humphreys took a bad hit and that looked really scary. It was, is that a factor when a guy gets that hurt, you think? Or was it Tannehill just, just totally out of sync? Because we were licking our chops to play this Cincinnati defense. And no, they're not talented, but they were aggressive and they kind of came after him. He just wasn't ready. I don't think you can entirely put the blame on Humphreys taking a shot to the head because Tannehill and the offense overall hadn't played that great before. Now, he, we did almost have the deep shot to Humphreys, and that would have set up points. And maybe the complexion of the game changes, but we were just bad. Arthur Smith, that's one of the worst games I've seen him from a play-calling standpoint when you consider the matchup. We were running at will. Deontay Foreman, who just we just signed off the practice squad, had 50 yards like it was nothing. Henry was yeah. just walking into six-yard, seven-yard gains, and we would just run the ball five, six times in a row, get to midfield. Then we do play action or a deep shot, and Tannehill would miss it. And now we can't run because right. it's second and long or third and long. He overthought things. Just if the run game is working as well as it is, it is, and Tannehill in the passing game isn't working, just run the ball every time. There's just one sequence where we ran Henry to the right three times in a row. We got 18 yards like it was nothing. Yeah. Just keep doing that. Right. 
I don't understand why we didn't. I know it's easier at home, but it was like, yeah, we were down early by more than a score. But it's like, there's a lot of time left. Just go. Because like you guys said, Dante Foreman, it's hard. I guess we'll find out. Is he going to be a really good backup for us? Or was uh, they just couldn't do anything with us? But uh, that made it even more frustrating because we could have won the ugliest game in history. But I just guess they're so used to Tannehill being just lights out on the play action. It's it just really, really surprising. Hopefully – this week uh, against the Bears, we'll get back on track. But this is a team, I think if you didn't know their record, the way they get talked about in the national media, they are disappointing at times. They're a good team. They're a playoff contender. There's so many questions about them at quarterback. But they're not going to roll over for us. They need this game. We're kind of in similar positions when you say, John, as far as needing this win. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you know, we get two teams coming in with a 5-2 and two record and. Uh, you know, where every game counts from this point out. We're playing for our division. We're playing for hopefully a home playoff game. We're playing for great seeding. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's a lot of a lot at stake. And honestly, this is a I look at this team right now uh, with a lot of similarities to Cincinnati. They're going to have an offensive line that is completely banged up with injuries and COVID, COVID-related injuries. Right now, they're going to be missing, uh, at the best-case scenario, two of their starting offensive linemen. Uh, you know, best case for Chicago, of course. Worst case for them, they're going to be missing four offensive linemen. So here we are again with this important battle where there's a matchup that we have to take advantage of. Chicago has been able to take advantage of some matchups to this point. That's why they are at the record that they are. They took New Orleans, I believe, last week to overtime. So they're a team that's that's serious. They're tough. Oh, yeah. And they're not like you said, they're not gonna lay down. They're they have overperformed since uh, you know, since the beginning of the season. And I don't think they even expected to be five and two at this point. Well, you compare them to the Bengals, they they have a similar offensive line where because of retirement and injury. They look very beatable, but so did the Bengals. So we're going to have to – I'm kind of done saying, well, their offensive line isn't good. We should have a good day. I, no, they're going to have to do uh, – really get after it. And I'm not a guy that needs sacks or so – I need to be able to watch it and say, yeah, they're in his face. The, you know, um, Clowney is, is always there, like he has done at times. He is really the big part of it. Uh, big Jeff is good, but when you're playing that position, like literally he had two guys on him. Sunday, and he still was effective in the run game uh, against the run, uh, to say. So it's got to come uh, from the edges. We all know that. Hopefully we'll get back to that. But that's going to be how this game goes. The Bears, they have their weaknesses, but they have really good players. And uh, we all know their name's Khalil Mack. He's quite, he and T.J. Watt are similar type players. He could make it a really long day for us, so we're going to have to be prepared for him. They've just got a lot of really good players. Uh, Allen Robinson uh, is a guy that's been disgruntled, but he's a, a really scary player, especially against our defensive backfield, right, Landon? Absolutely. We saw it on the game ceiling play, the throw to Allen Tate against Jonathan Joseph and T. Higgins throughout the day, but bigger body receivers just go up over our cornerbacks and just take the ball away from them. Since he's come into the league, has been one of the best guys, period, at doing that. And that's been a major piece of the Bears' offense, just chuck it up to Allen Robinson and let him – Make a play. Their offense is bottom five in every major efficiency metric. I'm just hoping that our defense doesn't just collapse and let them score 30 because on paper, they've been really bad, whether it was Trubisky or Foles at quarterback. We should be able to bottle them up. But Robinson is an effective player. We'll, we'll have to have a game plan for him. David Montgomery, you guys know my thoughts on him. He does everything well, except he's just missing a step. As to say, 
if he were a tick faster, John, he would be extremely good. He's highly rated on Pro Football Focus, uh, but he doesn't have the explosiveness to really scare me. I hope I don't jinx this by saying that, but uh, <laughs> that's my take on him. Landon says it well. This is not an offense that scares you. Uh, like you mentioned, my biggest thing is uh, watching for Allen Robinson. Um, but Montgomery, he's not – I'm trying hard to think of a comp for him, but he's not anybody that's going to terrify me. He's a decent player, average to above average as a starting running back. Imagine best. Frank Gore if he were slower. <laughs> that's uh, back, in, back in his prime. He's so slow Frank Gore. I mean, he's gutsy, he's tough, he's strong, he's smart. But Frank Gore – has had speed, right? And so maybe you like Frank Gore now that has his limitations, but that's not what you want when you have like a 23-year-old running back. Oh, yeah, definitely not what you want. I'll tell you one thing that always kind of makes me a little bit nervous, and, and you know, it's a 50-50 shot, uh, Nick Foles. Um, we've seen yeah. this guy play in these huge mismatches, and, and uh, literally he's a saint in Philadelphia. <laughs> but right. we've seen him in some games where he looks like he doesn't even deserve to hold a clipboard. Uh, right. so I always get terrified uh, of a guy like that. And, I mean, right. granted, he's a lot less mobile and a lot less accurate than Joe Burrow. Um, so hopefully we can get to get to him and make force him to make some mistakes. But he's a guy that could surprise you. So I don't want us to take him lightly and what he can do on right. the offense. We know what he can do in one particular day. And after what we saw, uh, Joe Burrow, I, I told my dad, you know, he, he could be the next Manning. Well, he looked already like Manning last Sunday. We made him look that good without any pressure. So I'm not taking anything for granted. We can make Nick Foles look really good, but I will say uh, we have the attention of the entire team after the response <laughs> of the front office this week. Desmond King, I know we're not going to see him this week. I wish we were, but Adoree Jackson, yeah, coming off of injury, it's hard to know what to expect, but the guy's been practicing for two and a half weeks, and I think he will be an upgrade immediately. Take some pressure off Butler. Yes, Butler hasn't made it look bad, but he's had all the pressure on him, and he's a battler. He's the guy. He's a- absolutely uh, gets after it. So if we can take everybody down a notch, got everybody's attention, yeah, we could make this average offense. We could take advantage of that, and hopefully Tannehill, whatever funk he was in, he can be out of. That's the hope, but there's not a whole lot to say after performance like we had Sunday. The line, though, Vegas obviously thinks we're going to bounce back. We're five-and-a-half-point favorites, John. Uh, did you think that was a, a little high when you saw that? No, I think it's I think it's about in line. I, I think Vegas, like us, considers last week a fluke and that we just weren't ready to play. I think they're looking more along the lines of how we responded against the Steelers and not so much about the Bengals. I, I think it was pretty obvious to, to see where we played poorly and where we had some opportunities. So I think they put it right where I would right where I would put it. Landon, it's Wednesday, so we don't know a lot definitively about injuries, but give us your predictions. You've, you've had a pretty good feel for that. There's no way Humphreys can be active on Sunday, I think, just in the concussion protocol for such a major hit and right. for how long he was down. I wouldn't expect him for a couple of weeks, much like what happened to Khalif Raymond last year. Right. Now, And Brett Kern also got hurt on that blown right. extra point attempt where Bo Brinkley, who was also cut, had a terrible snap. I think right. he'll gut out and he'll play. As a punter, an arm injury hurts, but it doesn't stop him from doing his job. But I would be worried on field goals and point-after attempts where tra- having to catch the ball and settle it could be an issue. Yeah, so he's going to be out because he can't play. I mean, you saw him holding his, his hand or wrist, and but, I mean, you've got to have to have that to kick. So we'll be without him. 
we have discussed so much about his value. I think we're about to figure out uh, what his value is uh, when yeah. we have to play. And with if us. he's out, then expect Tyler Bass, who's undrafted rookie from Missouri, to be moved up from the practice squad. He did lead the college football in kickoff in kickoff yards per attempt, so he does have a big leg. But other than that, we should be healthy. We made a lot of moves, like we've talked about, but our health seems to be going back on track. Fulham is still on IR. Humphreys is in concussion protocol. Desmond King will be in COVID protocols. And Brett Kern has a messed up hand. So John Landon mentions Bo Brinkley, which I think he was the most tenured guy probably by far on our team. And thinking about special teams, though, you can do your job literally every Sunday for 10 years. But if you have a really bad day and you're only relied on a few times a game, that that's it, right? Oh, without a doubt. We talked about it with Brinkley that ever since he was on the COVID list, he just hasn't looked the same. You know, we've seen a couple different games where he's uh, had a couple really poor snaps. This is a guy that's been with us for, for years, I think eight years, right? And so obviously it's a guy we we felt very passionately about. It's something that, you know, special teams is that phase of the game where if you mess up, you will lose the game. Right. I think his, right. his I think the fact that we kind of moved on from him speaks volumes to what we thought was his availability to play and get back on track. Something was wrong. And you hate it for him because, you know, this guy's been around. Everyone loves him on that team. And But then again, that's one of those things. You, that's the job is mm-hmm. you're called on a few times and you got to execute. So I hate that for him. But, man, what a run, yeah. though. What about the Bears? Injury is their center, Cody Whitehair, who has been maybe their best offensive lineman on the year. He missed Sunday's game against the Saints. And he'll likely be questionable as well for our game. And I would like to say that would be huge to have them be playing a backup center. But as we saw against Cincinnati, I don't think it really matters who's playing offensive line against our defensive front. Simmons, uh, as he tries to break in and he gets double teamed, Cody Whitehair, I think, has been their best offensive lineman. I know Howie Longson, that was, it was a really good player too. But Cody Whitehair has been their best lineman, I think, since he joined that team. I mean, he's very good. So, yeah. It looks like Whitehair is still going to be out from what I'm seeing right now. Um, their left guard, James Daniels, he's out for the season with a torn pec. They added their right tackle, Bobby Massey, to IR this week because of a knee injury. Jermaine Effetti and Jason Spriggs, they're both placed on the COVID reserve list. At least one of those guys will be out. It looks like Spriggs is out for, for week nine, and Effetti has a chance to play. I think he must have been just a, a contact guy. So they could be without they could be severely shorthanded on their offensive line and even just looking at their depth chart they don't have a lot of reserve guys either they're going to be in a lot of trouble they haven't drafted well for depth uh there's no question but they've got guys that can step up and win a game Kyle Fuller Eddie Jackson so it's kind of like they can beat you but I think if we do everything we should I mean this is a beatable team Allen Robinson you can put in that Grouping too. Other than that, Jimmy Graham, I think, is over the hill. But we, we're going to have to bounce back. I do like how our team has responded. We'll get our heads on. We have, not to make excuses, played a lot of games in, in, a, in short order. And that early makeshift off week is going to really going to make it, I think, tough down the stretch for us as far as getting guys healthy and everybody being ready. But, guys, what do you think this game, in one thing, what is this gonna game going to come down to? We'll start. It'll with come down to – which strength of each team wilts first? The Bears have the best red zone defense in football. The Titans have the second best red zone offense in football. And with our defense and their offense being so poor, 
it's likely going to be which of our strengths improves. And if they get stops and we have to sell for field goals or fourth down attempts, it'll be really hard for us to win because our defense, I'm not confident we can get enough stops and their defense is so great. We could only score 17 points and that wouldn't be a shock. I think uh, Mashley, we're going to be dismissed after uh, the poor showing of our defense last week and, and really kind of uh, before that. We're going to have to get on my, back on track with those guys. But I've seen contenders kind of look bad at this point and maybe add a guy or get a guy back healthy and then kind of move forward. That's what I hope for us. This game is going to come down to those guys that I mentioned for the Bears that we know about. They can win this game. Our guys, our best players, Tannehill, prove to us – how important he is to this good start that we've had to the season. And last season, that strong finish, he is not just a piece. He is not just part of a system. The guy is absolutely essential. If he can look like he has, except for last Sunday, the last year, last calendar year, I think we'll be right back on track. I think that this game is going to come down to the line of scrimmage. It's going to be a battle on both sides. We have backup offensive linemen going against some pretty great talent. Uh, they've got the guys, as you mentioned, Khalil Mack. They've got Robert Quinn. They've got Danny Trevathan, Roquan Smith, Akeem Hicks. He's a monster in the middle. Uh, we're going to be tested. And then on the opposite side, we have to take advantage of, of their lack of depth and their, their spotty offensive line. So I think it's going to be pressure on the quarterback, keeping Tannehill up in the pocket, and you know, keeping him upright, and then also getting to Nick Foles. I think that's going to be the key to this game. I don't, like we talked about, I'm not really too terrified of their offense uh, against our defense, but we're both, we both have to play advantageous football. Well, we've covered a lot of ground today. Thanks for listening to Tennessee Titans Talk. I know it's tough after these losses. You get used to winning. You take it for granted. But uh, I think this team has an opportunity to get back on track. We'll hope for the best. It should be interesting. It's a noon game Sunday on Fox. We'll be back with you shortly after that game, give you some reaction and some feedback. Until then, tighten up. Tighten up.